In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. The lamp of the body is the eye. When your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. What does that mean? What does it mean for our eyes to be good? Does it mean for our eyes to just see the good in the world and to ignore all of the bad? Does it mean to just like be optimistic and to just look at the good and ignore all the evil out there? I think if we are to really apply this in this sort of way, it would be impossible to live life realistically. I think just ignoring the reality of life and all of the evil out there is a little naive. You know, it's kind of foolish to walk through life pretending like there isn't evil and darkness in the world. We'd have to ignore all of the nonsense that we see around us, how much this pandemic is politicized and how many people are isolated and divided and you see all of the mental health issues and all of the deception that were spoon-fed by the liberal social media and all of the, the lies out there. And there's just so much fear that's spread. And, you know, a lot of us are even getting a little lazy. And, you know, of course, cases are rising and we have to be safe and stay home a little bit. But you see how the church has been looking for the past few weeks. And uh, I know we all have, you know, reasonable circumstances at home. I know people have family members that are a little bit vulnerable and poor immune systems. But, I mean, just like two weeks ago during the New Year's service, we literally had four people in the entire church. Four people. I've never seen anything like it before. And again, you know, people have circumstances, and I know cases are rising. People actually have the virus, and they have to stay home and avoid exposure and avoid going out. So that's understandable. There's no problem there. But, you know... I remember that night just scrolling through Facebook and Instagram and you see people posting pictures in their family gatherings with relatives and friends and you know photos in restaurants and so on. So we see that you know the reality of life is we are affected by what's going on in the world and it is changing us a little, okay? And for us to have good eyes doesn't mean to ignore the reality of life. Because the reality is, you know, a lot of us are struggling. A lot of us are dealing with evil in the world. And the pandemic has affected us in so many atrocious ways and ruining people's jobs and, and lives and so on. So having that sort of optimism to just put a spin on reality is a little delusional. You know, and that's certainly not what Christ meant by saying that we need to have good eyes. Okay? And he's certainly not saying to just look at life with positive eyes either. You know, just to look at life as if the glass is always half full. You know, a lot of people will tell you, be optimistic, be positive. And, you know, you can make a case for that, but that's certainly not what Christ is telling us today. So, what does he mean by telling us to have good eyes? And that when your eye is good, your whole body is also full of light. It means that we have to have eyes full of hope. 
That's what he means. And hope is completely different from optimism. Again, optimism is this delusion to pretend like reality isn't what it actually is. Okay? Listen to what Henry Nowen says. Optimism and hope are radically different attitudes. Optimism is the expectation that things, the weather, human relationships, the economy, the political situation, and so on, will get better. Hope is the trust that God will fulfill God's promises to us in a way that leads us to true freedom. The optimist seeks about concrete changes in the future. The person of hope lives in the moment with the knowledge and trust that all of life is in God's hands. So we face reality and we know that tomorrow may not look any different, but tomorrow is still in God's hands. And that's what it means to have hope. That's what it means to have good eyes, to see life with that sense of hope without falling into despair. And I guess this is my confession to you, but I've been struggling with this a lot. I've been struggling with this, especially throughout the last few weeks when you think that we're coming close to the end and like you see that light at the end of the tunnel and still it's almost like we're taking steps back. And it's tempting to lose that hope and to look at life with a bit of despair. But for us to have good eyes isn't just to put a spin on reality and to pretend like all of the nonsense in the world doesn't exist. But it's to realize that God is good no matter what. To realize that today and tomorrow is in His hands and His love will never fail. That's what it means. And so, if we trust in His promises, again, it doesn't just mean that everything will be all fine and dandy, but we can hope for whatever God provides us, knowing that whatever hand He deals us is from His love. It's from His providence and it's from His wisdom. And that's what He promises us. And that's what we hope for. We don't just hope for a life without struggles. But we hope for the presence of Christ during the struggles. This is what C.S. Lewis says, Life with God is not immunity from difficulties. It's peace in difficulties. That's amazing. And it changes the way we walk through life when we recognize that. Again, life with God is not immunity from difficulties. It's peace in difficulties. So, we expect that life will have difficulties. We expect that life will have challenges. This is what Christ promised us. In the world, you will have tribulations. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. I mean, nowhere in the scriptures do you find any promises of a life with just smooth sailing. You won't find it anywhere. On the contrary, you find the exact opposite. You find that you're promised struggles, but you're promised something even greater, the presence of God during those struggles, peace in the struggles. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. You will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's where our hope lies. Our hope doesn't lie in anticipating a world free of 
struggles. And somehow all of our personal struggles will disappear and things will just magically change. We know that we're going to continue walking through the storm, but we know that Christ is with us. So that's what we put our hope in. We put our hope in walking with Christ. And we see that path, the path of struggles, which is essentially the path of the cross, as our only hope. We have no hope outside of this path. There is absolutely no hope in our life that deviates from the cross. It doesn't exist. And I think what adds to our despair is when we look for a solution outside of the cross. We look for a solution outside of the struggles. We try to escape the struggle. We try to escape the suffering. So Father Jacques Philippe says, the worst suffering is the one you choose to reject. So when you haven't accepted the cross that God puts in your life, you add to your, struf- your suffering and you make it much worse than it actually is. I'll share with you a story that Father Thomas Hopko shared about a time he was with a group of theologians in Greece. So they're sitting there talking about the mess in the world and how many problems they're dealing with and you know, issues in the church, issues with their congregation, issues with whatever is challenging the church at the time. And so all the different theologians and the scholars that are sitting in this circle are talking about you know, how we can deal with this and you know, what we need to do and what we need to change and you know, proposing all sorts of solutions. And then comes the time for the simple monk to share his thoughts. He was Father Vasilius of Stavronikita. It's a monastery in Mount Athos. And so he says, sure, things are bad. There's secularism and materialism and atheism and all the isms out there. No, things are bad. But let us rejoice. Let us have hope. And of course, at this point, as Father Thomas Hopko is telling the story, he's anticipating that he's going to say, you know, Christ is risen from the dead, or, you know, a, a message of power and glory. But he says, let us rejoice. Let us have hope. Because they can take everything from us, but they cannot rob us of our death. They can take everything from us, but they cannot rob us of our death. That was his source of hope. That was his source of joy. And he goes on to say, in fact, they may even help us. In fact, they may even help us. Father Thomas Hopka was commenting on this concept and, and this experience that he had just sitting and listening to this monk share his thoughts in the meeting. And he says, this is the ultimate, absolute, most perfect way of glorifying God, which no one can take from us. Maybe no one comes to Sunday school. Maybe, I don't know what, no one comes to the liturgy. Maybe half of the people are interested in, I don't know what, stuffed cabbages or something instead of Jesus. These are his words. You know, maybe the churches are empty and people are just interested in nonsense in the world. Who knows? But we should rejoice. Why? Because we can still suffer and die. And if we suffer and die, we can do more than anything else we can do with our life today. That's what it means to have good eyes. To have eyes full of hope. 
to have eyes that are fixed on the cross. Because the cross is the only solution. You try to escape and find a way out and maybe fall into this delusional optimism, pretend like it doesn't exist, and you'll just lose your mind. I promise you, I, I see it all over the place. And that's why a little bit earlier in this passage, Christ talks about the cross. Right? Did you notice that? Okay, maybe it was implicit, but he certainly did. Because they ask for a sign, and what does he tell them? No sign will be given to you except that of Jonah. So just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for those three days, so will the Son of Man. What is he talking about? His death, his burial. So in the midst of all this, talking about having good eyes so that the whole body is full of light, his introduction was the cross, telling us that this is the prerequisite to have good eyes. Father Thomas Hopko says, the word of the cross tells us that our vision to use big theological language, is radically eschatological. That means looking into eternity, the heavenly life. So our vision, to use big theological language, is radically eschatological. There is no justice in this world. There's no possibility of a painless, deathless life in this world. But there's the possibility, by God's power, not to let it win. And that's why, for the greatest saints... To even suffer with Him was the greatest joy. Nothing can rob us of the hope of suffering with Christ. Nothing in this world. And I'm here to tell you that that is our greatest hope. Why? Because when we suffer with Him, we are glorified with Him. And there is no resurrection without the cross. Think of the event when the Jews were bitten by serpents in the wilderness. What was the cure? It was to look at the cross. To have good eyes. Eyes fixed on the cross. And so Moses took a pole, put a serpent on the pole, which is a figure of the cross, and he says, whoever looks at it will be healed. That's it. So looking upon the cross is what gives us hope. That's what fills our bodies with light. Like Christ said, if you have good eyes, your body is also full of light. So if your eyes are fixed on the cross, your body is full of joy. It's full of light. Father Patrick Reardon, he explains that nothing in this world can remove this hope from us. He says, St. Paul writes, It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The Christian affirmation of our hope means that nothing can happen in this world or the next to separate us from the one who lives inside us. Nothing can happen in this world or in the next that separates us from Christ. That really means that nothing can happen to us to separate us from that hope. It doesn't mean we can't give it up. People do all the time. It means that nothing can happen to us from outside ourselves. Not angels or men, no political system, no economic oppression, no misfortune in our lives. Nothing by itself can separate us from the love of Christ. Neither death nor life, 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing. In all these things, Christ in us is the source of our hope. And so because Christ is in us, nothing can remove that hope from our life. We come here to the liturgy and we partake of the Eucharist. And so He abides in us and we abide in Him. What can sever that union? Nothing. Nothing in the world can remove that hope from our life. St. John Chrysostom has this beautiful homily titled, No One Can Harm the Man Who Does Not Harm Himself. It's a beautiful homily and if you have an hour to spare, you can just find it online and read it. It's not too long. But he talks about this concept that no one can harm the man who does not harm himself. That means nothing in this world can actually hurt me. The only possible harm comes from myself. Because the ultimate good is to live a life with Christ, to live a life of hope, to live a life of virtues. And he talks about how the people who suffered the most terrible suffering, like Job for example, was not even harmed by Satan. Why? Because he persevered in his faithfulness, patiently keeping his hope alive. So I'll just conclude with a couple of stories from the life of St. George that really put this in, in a practical way. So we know that St. George suffered for seven years. And he was literally murdered three times, right? I mean, it wasn't enough for one year or two years. He endured for seven years. And after the first martyrdom, he rose from the dead, martyred again, and then a third time. So if anyone can teach us about hope, it's St. George. So when the emperor was tired of persecuting him, because... You know, they, they try everything. And, and, and the stories of the martyrs, it's always like the, the emperor gets sick and tired of trying this and this and this and this. And they're like, okay, just like behead this person and, and that's enough. <laughs> and so this is what was happening in St. George's life. And in one incident, the emperor gives him a cup of poison to drink. So... Where does St. George's hope lie? In the cross. So he simply just makes the sign of the cross on the poison, and he drinks it. Nothing happens. And so the emperor sees it, and he says, okay, I'm going to tie your hands behind your back so you can't do that. Give him another cup of poison. <laughs> what does he do with his hands tied behind his back? You all know the story, right? He just makes the sign of the cross with his head. So n nothing can harm us if... Our hope is fixed in the cross, knowing that the love that God gave us, that path that He walked, the path of sacrifice, is our only hope. And when we imitate Him, we really confide in that. Not just by talking about how beautiful the cross is, not just by wearing it around our necks as if it's like some fine jewelry. No, but really confiding it, saying, I want to imitate that. I want to live that same life. 
I want to be crucified too. That's what it means to put our hope in the cross. That means to imitate it. That means to follow it. That means to identify with it. And in another situation when, you know, the, the emperor is, of course, exhausting himself with different ways to torture St. George. And so he's done, like, beating him and whipping him and doing all of the physical torture. He says, you know what, I'm going to try to send someone to seduce him. So they lay him down on a bed and they chain his hands and his feet to the bed. And they send a harlot in there to seduce him. Okay, most people in this day and age wouldn't even need to be chained down and be like, okay, I'm just going to have to enjoy it and go with it. But what does St. George do? As she's throwing him, herself on him, he bites down on his tongue and he spits out all of this blood on her so that she's so disgusted and has to walk out. Nothing can harm the man who does not harm himself. And if our eyes are good and we really confide in the cross, then we put our own suffering as our path to hope. See what that means? We walk towards the resurrection through the cross. Our eyes are full of light when we're willing to love and to lay down our light and to endure, to really endure with faith and patience and hope. Unto God is due all glory forever. Amen.